that a promise you're looking forward to? Because I sure am. Hey, would you turn to the person next to you before we pray together and tell them one promise that God has made you that he's kept? You can think about it for a minute. Let's pray together, family. Let's think about a couple of promises that you know he's made to you that he hasn't kept yet. It's not time yet. Talk to him about that right now. goodness, Lord, your promises are sure. We've said it many a times as a family. We have never caught you in a lie. So if it's in your word and it's promised, it's ours through Christ. We thank you for that. You're such an amazing, such an amazing Savior. We're here to glorify you and lift you up, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us do that. Father, we hope you're glorified through Christ. Amen. You can be seated. Okay, so what I want to talk to you about this morning is so central to our character, especially these days, and to this church moving forward. And yet, at the same time, it's so countercultural that it's really good that we have a scripture attached with a promise to this thing. Because what I want to talk to you about this morning is doing your job and finishing it, finishing well. And see what I mean? That's not a glamorous subject. It's not real flashy. If I had that up on the billboard out front, if we had a billboard, today's sermon, finishing well, probably you would have stayed in bed. Because, you know, that's not going to get you on a magazine cover or anything. It's not really exciting news. But it's very important. I was thinking this last week. This is the 50th anniversary of us walking on the moon. Now, I was 12 years old when that happened. Not quite 12. I was 11 when they actually walked. But, man, I'll never forget that. Anybody here old enough to remember that? liars. It was fascinating stuff. It really was. And of course, you got Neil Armstrong. He walked on the moon. This one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We've loved that. We've talked about that so many times. And then Buzz Aldrin uh, also walked on the moon. Anybody in here remember the third guy? There were three guys in that capsule. Remember the third man? Anybody? Turn to the person next to you and tell them who the third man in the capsule was 50 years ago. The answer, of course, is Michael Collins. How many got that? One? Michael Collins? You're a liar, aren't you? Michael Collins. Okay, I did, I did hear somebody down here uh, guess Jesus, which on, normally on a Sunday morning is a good guess, but it wasn't. It was Michael Collins. And, and you know, my point is nobody remembers him because he didn't walk on a moon. He didn't do anything glamorous and, and joy-filled. And he didn't get his name in the paper from a quote or anything. All that guy did was finish his job. He just drove around the block a couple of times until it's time to pick the other two up. But I tell you, two people who were so tickled, I mean doggone happy, that somebody was humble enough to say, you know what, I'll just do my job. I'll circle the thing a couple, three times. I'll pick you guys up. I'll be the man that flies all the way to the moon and doesn't get to walk on it because i got a job to do, and I think I'll just be faithful and serve and finish it, complete it. I want to talk about that today because life's not about quality starts. That's a Major League Baseball term, which still blows my mind today that you can make $20 million a year pitching in the Major Leagues 
And if you could just get through six innings and only give up three runs, that's a quality start. You know, in the first 20 years of this century, the most consecutive starts in a, in a, uh, in a row, well, that would be consecutive, uh, complete starts, uh, four, four complete starts, Holiday and three other people. Anybody remember how many complete starts is the record in the 1900s? 187 in the early 1900s. Because back then when the coach gave you the ball, he expected you to complete the game. We don't do that anymore. And I think we need to be reminded sometimes as kingdom workers that life is not about quality starts. It's about finishing well. And I wonder how many things we do that well with today. How many things have you started that you ended up quitting that you wish you'd have gone back and finished? Because I've done a lot of that. If you ever start in education and then find out that education is pretty expensive these days and it takes a lot of effort and work and so you just quit? Did you ever start to take music lessons, uh, maybe dance lessons, or, you know, here's me, instrument lessons, until you found out you had to practice indoors when you could be outside playing, so you just quit, you know? Don't we do that? Did you ever start uh, a volunteer for something or take a new job and find out it was a little more challenging than you thought, and so you just quit? How about New Year's resolutions? You make some of those last year? If you make them every year, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to read one book a month. You know, I'm going to get my budget right. I'm going to pray more. But you find out not too long into January that what you were doing was easier than changing, so you just you quit. Anybody in here have a, ever have a marriage or a relationship that got a little rocky, a little bumpy, and so you just threw up your hands and walked away, and now you look back on it and think, man, I wish I had done that differently? See what I'm talking about? Did you ever start anything at church? Get fired up in a team or in a small group and then, well, I got good news for us this morning. There's a promise in the Bible. This is my co-favorite scripture. You all know John 15 is my favorite scripture. This is my co-favorite scripture. It's Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 and it's a promise from God and let me just tell you something. He has the power to carry this promise out. Our God's a powerful God and we serve a powerful Savior. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to walk out of here with this promise. If nothing else happens, get this promise. Paul says, I'm confident of this. He who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul told this church at Philippi, I, I know one thing. I'm confident, I'm sure of one thing. That he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day he comes to get us. Now listen, we've been talking about building teams here for several weeks. We've been talking about making sure we get in the habit of coming to church again. Last week, I made a couple of people mad because we were talking about the day of Christ coming and, and the Bible says don't uh, forsake the assembling and all the more as you see the day approaching, as you see Christ coming back. And I said, we don't want to have him catch us camping or being in a tournament or something on the weekends. We should be here. But all these things we've been talking about, the tough things, getting involved and making disciples and making disciples, I want you to walk out of here this morning knowing this. God intends to get that done in you. He started it in you. And He's going to see to it that it gets done. And He's powerful, I tell you. He can get it done. We're going to walk through this phrase together. That's all we're going to do. This is one scripture this morning. And then we're going to take communion and go eat lunch and watch the Colts win or whatever. How about the Hoosiers, man? Are they something else? Anyway, it's just good stuff. Anyway, I want to walk through this this morning. Let's start with the first word, He. Paul doesn't say, I'm convinced that you started a good work in yourself and will carry completion. He does not say that because you and I didn't do anything. Nothing. This is all on God. Now, the church at Philippi knew this because Paul, when they got this letter, Paul wasn't supposed to be there anyway. 
Paul was preaching in Palestine, the Holy Land, and he had moved on to Asia Minor and he had some places in Asia he wanted to go. But he kept getting stopped by the Holy Spirit, which is a fascinating story in Acts chapter 16. And it must have been very frustrating to a guy like Paul, who was very driven to do what God wanted him to do. But the Holy Spirit stepped, kept stopping him from doing it. In fact, in uh, Acts chapter 16, the Bible says he got this vision from a guy in Macedonia who was begging him. And by the way, I was looking at my notes yesterday and it said he was baking. He was not begging, baking. He was begging Paul to come to Macedonia. And Paul went. And he went to Philippi, which was a strange place for Paul to go. And then he went down to the river to preach, again because God told him to. And then when he got down to the river, uh, there was a gal by the name of Lydia there. She was a a businesswoman and a Gentile and a Greek. And the Bible says the Lord had opened up her heart. In other words, God told her to go down the river. And so uh, the Lord blocks Paul's travel, tells him to go someplace else. And the Lord uh, led Lydia to show up down at the river so she could hear Paul's message. And because of all that, she became the very first convert on the continent of Europe. But again, you look at this, it was God doing the work. God always does the work. I've told you this before. It's amazing. It's like God tells you to clean up your room, and then you go in the room and you pick up one block, and God does the rest, and then congratulates you for doing such a good work. God always does the work. And this is the beginning of the church on the continent of Europe. And you think about the influence of the church, and not so much now, but in the last 2,000 years on the continent of Europe. And we've got to understand, it all started with a guy by the name of Paul and a woman by the name of Lydia who just did what God told him to do. They just did where God led them to go. And we, as a church, we know where God's leading us. He's made it very clear this year. See, God was up to something in them then. And he's up to something in every one of us now. Trust me, he's doing it. That's why we've been talking all this time about team building. We've not just been building teams because we want to learn how to build teams. By the way, I read this. This is pretty interesting. I read last week. Anybody in here know why Columbus, Ohio does not have a professional football team? Because they were thinking about it. They were looking into it. But they decided they wouldn't do it because they figured if Columbus, Ohio got a professional football team, then Cleveland would want one and so would Cincinnati. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Listen to me. We're not just building teams to build teams here. We're building teams to glorify God, to be about God's business. And that's how he does it. He has us in this time doing that for him. That's why Paul starts this phrase, he. You didn't start yourself. You didn't create your gifts. You didn't develop your DNA and your genes. You didn't forgive yourself of sins. You didn't draw yourself to God. God drew you to himself. And that's what's so great about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we give our life to him, listen, this is important. We give our life to him. He gives his life to us, and we get all his power. And you talk about power. We serve a powerful Savior. You say, what kind of power has he got? Are you kidding me? The book of Colossians says, in, in the Greek, it says everything has been made by him. And in the Greek, it reads one thing at a time. Everything exists because of Jesus. Just take one thing, for example, water. He has the power over water. He parted the Red Sea so they could walk on dry land. He pounded a rock. They got water out of that so they could drink. He turned water to wine so they could celebrate at a wedding. He conned the water when it got out of hand in a storm, and he walked on it. We're talking about a powerful Savior we serve. He's got enough power to change the heart of Pharaoh, enough power to challenge the, or change the mind of Nebuchadnezzar, to heal the skin of a leper, to shut Zacharias' mouth for nine months. 
He had enough power to deliver Israel from Egypt, David from Goliath, Elijah from Jezebel, Esther from Naaman. Has enough power to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, and Daniel from the lion's den, and the baby in the manger. He has enough power to keep his commitments to you and his promises to you. He had enough power to send his son to earth to die for our sins and then rose him from the dead. Our Savior is very powerful. And you don't have to say amen because it's early, but you should at least smile about that. Yeah, he's powerful, I tell you. And he's the one that started working us. He's given us the power to change our hearts and to transform ourselves and a power to resist temptation that we never had before and a power to speak His Word as truth in love and a power to love people that aren't lovable and to change our racist attitudes and and a power for us to be tolerant and and a power for us to not quit. It's His power. He started. It's in you. It's amazing stuff. Secondly, he, he began, Paul says. Notice he doesn't say he finished already or, uh, you know, calm down a little bit because it's not too far along. No, he, he began a good work in you, which tells us very quickly that we ain't finished yet, which means everybody in here, we're just a bunch of whips, not wimps. Some of us are that too, but whips, works in progress, which tells us a lot of things. It tells us that we can't see the end of the story yet. We still got a lot of work to do yet that we're probably going to have our hearts broken once in a while through this thing and our lives shattered once in a while through this thing and we're probably going to mess up once in a while through this thing which tells us we better learn to wait on God and be patient because His timing is always perfect and we know that. You start thinking about the promises that He's done for you. It's always perfect timing. It's perfect timing for this church. But here's the deal. We don't like to wait. We are the worst waiting people in the history of the planet. We're all in a hurry. We're a horn-honking, microwaving, FedExing, fast food eating, express lane shopping hurry, every one of us. We got places to go, people to see, and things to do. And the internet has sped things up exponentially. These phones still kill me. I mean, I still carry mine. We know the danger of these things. We know our kids shouldn't have them. And, and it's like, I told you before, it's like me when I, when I was a kid smoking. Those things that kill you. I know, I know we shouldn't do this. You know, the well, same thing with the phones. These things are not good for us. They're tearing us up socially. I know, I know. And then we got them right in our face. But they're killing us, man, because we get, everything's got to be now. You know what I mean? If Siri takes too long, she doesn't understand what you said, you get upset with her. Siri has told me before not to have an attitude. There's no reason to have that attitude. My phone tells me that. If you don't text me right back, you know. If you don't answer my phone call. We're just in a hurry, all of us. In fact, researchers have come up with the fastest unit of time measured right now. It's called a honk a second. You know what a honk a second is? I'll tell you. It's the period of time between when the light turns green in front of you and the guy behind you starts laying on the horn. That's a honk a second. We're in a hurry. I, I read last week about this gal. Her car stalled in traffic, you know, and she couldn't get her car started. And the guy on the back was just laying on his horn. And so she got out of her car and walked back there and very sweetly said, Sir, I don't know anything about cars, but if you'd like to go up front and open the hood and look in my car, I'll stay back here and honk the horn for you. That's the way we are. We're in a hurry. Church, we've got to learn to wait. Isaiah said, those that wait upon the Lord will have their strength renewed. Family, he made a huge promise to this church. We fasted together and he made it. Let's wait on him. Let's be patient. Let's do what we're supposed to do in the meantime. But let's not wait and in the meantime sin. And let's not wait and in the meantime be anxious. And let's not wait and in the meantime be doubtful. Let's wait and have our strength renewed. 
and understand we're serving a God that's going to take care of exactly what he said he's going to take care of. I love um, what Ben Patterson says about the secret of waiting. He says, when you're waiting, who you become while you're waiting is as important as what you're waiting for. And what we're waiting for as a church, what's next, who we become in the meantime, that's more important than what's going to happen next. Here's the next phrase. God has begun a good work. A good work. <laughs> Naturally, everything God does is good. All the way back in the, in the Old Testament book of Genesis, at creation. Everything, every time he created something, he said, this is good, this is good. And then he created us, and he said, this is very good. What he does is good. And it's amazing to watch. In fact, the prophet Habakkuk from the Old Testament says this prayer to God. He says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. Lord, renew them in our day. Make them now new in our day. Boy, that should be our prayer. We've read all the great things God has done. We're thinking about some of the things he's done in our past and in the church's past. And our prayer ought to be, Lord, do it again now. Lord, we can't wait for our marriages to be good again and whole. And we can't wait for our lives to be put back together. And Lord, we're sick of poverty. And we can't wait for, like we talked about last week in Amos 5.24, for justice to roll like the river. Lord, we cannot wait until this pornography issue that has our men just by the throat and the sex trafficking is done away with. Father, we cannot wait again until there's integrity and honesty and, and generosity in Washington. Please, Lord, bring that back. Lord, we're tired of being anxious about everything. Lord, you did it before. We know you can do it again. That ought to be our prayer, that he renews it now. It's his promise. The next phrase, he began a good work in you. Now, so now it gets personal. See, this is, this is not just a guy who did good work in nature and did good work in Israel and with Jesus and Paul and the Philippians. No, he did good work in you and you and you and you and you. It's good stuff. And it's important for us to know that because, listen, if we're not careful, we get to feeling inadequate nowadays. And again, this has a lot to do with it because we see everybody else polished and everything good going on in their life when we compare it to ours. We're always thinking bad of ourselves, low self-esteem. It's important. I always remember Charlie Shedd. He's a Christian author and a Christian speaker who years ago was, uh, he was in high demand and he'd go across the country and he spoke about different things. And one of his favorite lectures was called Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Children. And then him and his wife had their first child and he said, we changed it to Ten Hints for Parents. And then they had their second child and they relabeled the lecture, A Few Tentative Suggestions for Fellow Strugglers. And then they had their third kid and he doesn't do that lecture anymore. <laughs> And that's my point. That's how we get. I mean, I don't care if you're a coach or a lawyer or a doctor or a stay-at-home mom or a preacher. We get feeling inadequate sometimes. And I'll tell you, there's a good reason for that. We are inadequate in ourselves. It's kind of funny to me because I've gotten to a point in my life, and I won't go into details, but I have a greater sense of inadequacy in my ministry than I ever have before. And you'd think after 40 years I'd have this now, but no, doesn't feel that way anymore. But I got good news for all of us because the main thing about me is not my inadequacy and the main thing about me is not my adequacy. The main thing about me is that God started a good work in me. He's going to finish it. And he started good work in all of you. And that means he's going to renew our minds and forgive our sins. And he's going to activate the, the, the gifts of the Spirit in every one of us. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, and self-control. 
It's the greatest thing in the gospel. And the real good news is, if you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ yet, you can start today. He can begin that work in you before you go home today. It's our invitation every week. It's awesome. He began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful. That's a big thing about our God. He's faithful. It's like we said, we never caught him in a lie. That was one of my favorite songs growing up. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, our Father. There's no turning of shadow in me. I mean, he's faithful. It was the biggest thing in the Old Testament because there were so many places where they couldn't find faithfulness. In fact, Moses' final words to Israel were, your God, your God is faithful God, keeping his commandment and covenant of love to a thousand generations. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 33, the word of the Lord is right and true. He's faithful in all that he does. God said it, he meant it. He started a good work in you, and he's going to carry it to completion. He's never lied. That's exciting stuff. And then Paul brings it all together. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what he's doing with that, right? He's he's taking us to the finish line. And the people he was talking to, the finish line was a big deal. They were all about athletics then, you know, and the Stoics, that was one of their biggest characteristics. If you could finish, it was a big thing. And, and so Paul's bringing us to the finish line. And, of course, we think our finish line's the day we die, right? It's the day you take your last breath, or the last beat of your heart. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says he's going to be faithful to complete this until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what day that is, don't you? That's the day he's coming back. By the way, church, when is Christ coming back? Yeah, we don't know, but he's coming. And we found out last week we're in a final stage. It could happen at any minute. And I'm telling you, I want to remind you when he comes back, everything's going to be put back the way it should be. Lions lying down with lambs. Uh, It's going to be restoration for all of us, healing. And remember, Jesus is in the bullpen warmed up, and he's not just the starter. He's the finisher. He's the closer. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith, and when he comes back, everything's going to be good. And you can say amen now. I know you're waking up to do that. It's good. It's coming. So that means God has no intention of giving up now. None. He's going to be faithful to complete this. I always loved this guy was talking about, remember when they had the cash for clunker deal? He's trying to save GM. And so if you bring a clunker, they give you cash and you get them. Well, these guys were sitting around talking at a campfire, and they were saying, well, I wonder if we could do this for our wives. If, we, if they could trade us in us old clunkers in and maybe get a new one, you know, and, and maybe get some cash for us. And they were laughing about it. One of the wives came by and said, what are you talking about? And they told her, and she said, are you crazy? What are you, nuts? I got 35 years invested in this moron. I don't want another one, you know. <laughs> I'm going to tell you in love that God's got several years invested in us. Some of you, a lot of years of love and mercy and kindness and rebuke. A little discipline here and there. He didn't want to start over. He started to work in you and he's going to finish it. So the question becomes for us as we look forward and see all this stuff going on, I mean, when do we quit? Well, the neat thing is we already have somebody's given us that answer. His name, of course, is Jesus. We come to celebrate this morning every week his broken body and his shed blood. He, he, when he came to earth, which by the way, he volunteered to do that. He didn't have to. He healed and taught and touched and loved and didn't have anything. He didn't have a cell phone. 
He didn't have an SUV, a bank account. He didn't even have a home. Son of man didn't have a place to lay his head. He did all those things, and you would think that he would have been applauded by everybody in, in, on the planet, but it's just the opposite. Somebody's always out to get him. The religious leaders always trying to quiet him. Anytime he got too harsh, the crowd would walk away mad at him. Peter denied him. Pilate turned him over. Even the crowd had a little jingle for him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Is it time to quit yet, Jesus? Not on your life. He finished. Went all the way to the cross. It did things for us there that we can't begin to understand until we get to heaven. Took care of our sin, care of our eternity, so we can sing songs like we started with this morning. Ain't no grave, you know, going to keep us down. Ain't no way because of what he did. He shed his last blood, blood, drop of blood, and then he said these words. Do you remember? It is finished. Are you finished yet, church? Not by a long shot. I don't know what you're working on. I know it's different for different people, and it changes like we talked about last week. It changes week to week. Some of you are just praying for somebody or praying for a relationship. Some of you have got some hard things going on. we got a family in our church right now, the Thrashers, that are waiting for the, the greatest enemy to take somebody from their family. Maybe you got somebody at home you're working on. I don't know. I know it isn't easy, but I know it's not time to quit because he who started a good work in us going to carry it on to completion until the day comes to get us. We're going to thank him for that this morning by recognizing his broken body and his shed blood. If you'd like to activate this, this work in you today, come and talk to me.